Welcome to the Autonomous Podcast. A podcast without a manager. A podcast without a host. A podcast that runs itself. Whoa! How do you do that? It's magic, bro. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Autonomous Podcast B. We are here with Nelson Molina. I am your host for this episode only, Magenta Siba from Bloom Network. Nelson, could you share a little intro about yourself? Thank you, Magenta. Thank you for inviting me. I'm Nelson Molina. I live right now in Catalonia in a community named Amara Valley, one hour and a half from Barcelona. I come from the tech world fintech blockchain done consulting worked on the mycelium bitcoin wallet but now i'm focusing more on the idea of like uh, smart villages and how to live together in the new world let's say and how to use those new uh, financial tools those new governance model basically those new business model also uh, which is something that I find very interesting. The with profits model, not not for profit, not for profit, but kind of like in the middle. So I'm interested in those topics, and I'm aiming to create a committee of people that would be working on creating a new way of living together. Awesome! I'm so excited to talk with you um, and share this podcast and your visions and also experience because I know a lot of people on the eco-village side of things who are coming from more of a I don't know like physical world background for lack of a better word and then also know it's becoming apparent like more and more people in the Ethereum community and connected communities are um, want to kind of bridge this you know start living in villages in this way so you're such a good wisdom keeper and vision person um, for that so really excited. To- yeah, that's really one one thing that for me became became quite apparent when I was like, I always kind of felt was interested in this idea of taking back old villages with a bunch of friends and like work over there or these kind of ideas, but more and more with the idea of decentralized communities, like what Palenipolis is doing in Prague or Palenipolis in Bratislava, like this idea of creating like zones that are out of the the normal system and experimenting in that but apply it more in the the rural area then led me to maybe because i'm also connected in like burner hippie spiritual world to look at communities and what what they're doing and i have to say at first i came with an eye of like oh we're gonna create something and then i realized that there were actually a lot of projects existing all around like hundreds, thousands, there's probably thousands of cool projects in the country that, that you are, whoever you are. Like I remember talking to someone in Turkey and him showing me like this website with a list of like hundreds just in near, um, I think it was near, near Istanbul. And like, okay, the list wasn't updated, but I was like, wow, so many. And the more you talk, the more you research, you realize there are so many projects. A lot of them die, of course, but so many initiatives already so it's not necessarily about then it became clear to me it was necessarily about creating another thing but understanding okay what do people actually need because sometimes we come with our 
node tech ideas, which is going to build like a tool. But actually, what do people need? And observing that, I realized that maybe all those projects, why they were not working, why it wasn't having such an impact? Why we don't have such an impact in society if there's so many people interested in like being, living that way, try to change the world, right? Because they're all isolated. Everyone is doing his little project with his 30, 50, even 100 friends. Having 100 people community is already like an amazing achievement. But the problem is that it doesn't have an impact. And especially coming from the blockchain world, then you start coming out like, okay, maybe it's about connecting economies together. Maybe it's about connecting, sharing information more. Maybe it's about really creating this, this thing, those not as like isolated project, but as like nodes in the network. And then, yeah, basically it became like, like a quest into how to enhance the existing grassroots, fertile ground, fertile soil for enabling a new world. A lot of it, I think, comes with money because a lot of the people that create those projects are against the idea of money with some good reasons and bad reasons. A lot of the time I realize that they don't understand the purpose of money. They see the bad side of it, but they don't see also the problems that it solves, which relate to not the use of like financial instrument that could enable a multiplication of the result of like the, the impact that you can have. If you had like 50 communities in Europe that were all connected economically, you would have a circular economy that would perhaps allow people to, to become wealthier and then allow to invest in research, to invest in creating other communities, to invest in like having more of an impact rather than everybody struggling on their side and then making the same mistakes. Even if now we're getting better at exchanging like governance tools, communication tools, people doing consulting for other communities, I still feel like there is, uh, especially on the financial, economical and, and information sharing side, there's perhaps a lack. And then there's also, sometimes there's too much of Luddite way of things, like not looking at science and technology or seeing it as bad. But one of the things that I really want to work on is like using the highest tech available, whether it's sonar parallel, water filtration system, compost system, smart grid, autonomous energy grid, even robotics with farming or new ways of doing aquaponics and, and these kind of things to, to make life easier because I want to live in a, in a countryside connected with nature, but I don't necessarily want to live my grandfather, grandfather did. And I think we can create technology and nature. It's about reconnecting the dots, like bringing back, like having technology that works for us and allows us to more be in symbiosis with the environment. So I went a, a little bit of a tangent over there, but no. No, you actually literally answered all three of the questions I had to uh, ask you. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> this speaks to uh, where I am next in my list of questions, uh, which is, uh, in, in I want to dive into the, a little bit of the nerdy details of the financial architecture stuff you see, but a, li a little bit later in the here. Yeah. But one of the things that I really appreciate about speaking with you, because I've seen some of the similar disconnects, though there are communities like, uh, oh, what are they called? Dang it. The Embassy Network. They're more urban, mm -hmm. but they're kind of lean a little bit more um, technology, nerdy, futurist people when they set up 
like they'll buy a house and you can be a nomad between the different houses they have in different countries. Yeah. So that's a like one of many, many, many examples of these sorts of things. But one of the things you speak to in the article you wrote, which I'll link to in the episode, because it's such a great digest of the vision that is coming through you and links to some really great resources for further reading too. But you speak about um, the importance of the when you went to the salons with Vine Gupta, you were talking about the yeah. importance of mixing regulars in a community with newcomers. Yeah. And the, the power of mixing different, what you say is profiles, opinions, backgrounds, expertise, and politics. So I'm curious yeah. how, similar to the, like, you know, the economic interrelating, how that, yeah, circulating of, of people and backgrounds between communities so they don't get insular. What's your, how do, how do you see that? happening and why it's important well it, it, it connects also to my uh, sometimes interest in understanding like tribes and like what actually makes a good human community right and, and this experience with those weekly dinners where the principle for those that don't know the principle was like a weekly dinner where basically the host Vine would provide food and wine and it would be kind of like a open door to whoever is like smart, weird, interesting, whatever, like friend of a friend that would be in town and that would come over. So would, you wouldn't necessarily know like who you would meet at those dinners, but it was always interesting. And that was that kind of a principle. But then what happened is that you would have regulars like coming regularly, coming every week like me. And then regularly, every week, you would have new people coming and sometimes they come back two months later or this kind of thing. And sometimes you have five people, sometimes you have 15 or 20. But this kind of melting pot, this kind of, I don't know, potpourri mix of like so many perspectives, like artists, technologists, nerds, mathematicians, business people and lawyers and all kinds of doctors, whatever, or like, cinema managers, festival organizers, like any very, very different mix, the discussions that happen, the project that were created, the collaboration, the fact that you could like, yeah, you have an idea and then suddenly you have someone that actually knows about this very nerdy topic, whether it's like history with medievalist friend that James Hester, that was this specialist in uh, medieval weaponry. Right? But on top of that, uh, of the history of London and learning so many like quirky, weird facts about London when you live there is, is fascinating by a, an expert that actually knows about this thing. Or whether it's like talking to lawyers about, hey, I have this idea about this business or like people that understand this very specific technology that you can actually banter and exchange ideas. And then maybe with some of them, you actually end up creating companies or, or starting collaboration, which actually has happened. This was like fascinating and, and like this needs to exist more. Everybody should have a version of that. And it seemed to be an optimal way of like fostering collaboration and innovation. And it's not necessarily that everybody, but that the interesting thing was everybody was different. You would have Democrats, Republicans, pro-guns, anti-guns, like you would have people that are very in the hair, like all about art and creation and people that are all about numbers and people that are all about connection. Like you would have so many different people, but everybody was willing to exchange and hang out. Of course, the wine and the whiskey definitely probably helped. But yeah, it was 
a great part of, of my life and it made me aware of like this is kind of thing that I want to recreate but also make more permanent because then what if those people live together which actually happened because some of us that were the regulars on those dinners ended up being frustrating of having to take the tube to go back home when it was around midnight when in the middle of an interesting conversation right so we ended up like four or five of us taking flats next to it which created some kind of little community which was also interesting because it was a community but at the same time everybody had their private space and for me that was another key learning from how to live in communities like you need both you need to live together very close but at the same time if I want to be introvert or if I'm pissed off against someone then I can go back home and no one sees me for two days and then later on I come back so it's like so many things from that period of my life that I could like pick on and use now to create my uh, smart village idea and like kind of use similar concept or try to. And then, yeah, in the, in the context of a smart village, how do you see that circulation of people and talent happening? Because these things tend to be more spread out, at least now, although I think what you might start to see happen is, you know, there will be one eco-village hub and adjacent plan will we'll start to like reconnect the fabric of local interconnected yeah communities and economies and caring for each other and stuff but i'm curious you know living at amara um if you're seeing that intermixing of people happen with the way you guys have events and stuff there and how you see that intermixing happening in the context of you know those thousands of existing projects that are out there well i'm, I'm going to talk more about the situation here I, as for me it's all about expansion so it's not necessarily like there is one thing and then everything needs to fit into that one thing. My idea is to expand what Amara Valley is. Actually, the name is perfect because it's Amara Valley, right? It's not just the Eco Retreat Center, it's the valley. And we have a whole valley here with a lot of land where we could add a lot of projects. Actually, before uh, it was Amara Valley, there was a community here called Arcadia. And they were doing many different things. They had a magazine, I think it was called Atano. They were doing yoga retreats, spiritual retreats. Uh, but they had this project of like buying the whole land and creating around, you know, I don't know exactly, but between maybe five, ten different projects, like restaurants and something. Uh, basically buying the whole valley and creating a conglomerate of uh, hippie projects. You could almost say that. So it's the project that we're doing now maybe will be probably different, but, but the idea might be, base idea might be the same. Maybe it's about expanding and creating sister or brother projects that collaborate and don't have to be the same thing either, but exchange in different way. So I don't necessarily think that it's, I think it's gonna complement and expand each other. And that's also why I want to do it here because let's say we create this smart village idea that later on I will explain a little bit more of on what I want to do. So you would have this committee of people that would, let's say, be incubating regenerative projects, whether it's in technology, science, or other things, or you know, governance or any other things. I want those people to have access to what we provide here at Amara, which is really transformative, with like physical practices like yoga, kali repayat, martial arts, breathwork good food, healthy food, healthy practices, but also like 
personal, mental, spiritual work. Self-work is important to figure out actually who you are and what you want to do and how you relate to each other. And I think having both projects be side to side and then kind of like we allow both to feed each other, you know, because if we are to build the world of the 21st century, we definitely need to be people that are working on ourselves, working on our traumas, working on how to relate to each other, working on, you know, just like feel good in our bodies, feel clear in our minds, not like stressed or cluttered or, or any of those things. And I think being next to Amara is the right way to, to do that. I know how much he has impacted me personally, and I want that to be the case for the people that would be in that would be working with me so that's why i think it's that's how i see the relationship yeah that's why i see as something very important and also i see it as creating value for everyone like multiplying the value rather than oh they're doing their thing and i'm doing my thing and you're doing your thing over there and i no like let's do things together and makes the cake even bigger than if each other would be one would build one cake that's my vision. In terms of like how to relate to other projects, to be honest, I don't know. And there are a lot of things that actually I feel very comfortable not knowing. There are two things in, in let's say, in my vision, in how I operate to try to manifest my vision, right? I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm doing it because I fully trust that it's necessary. I see that's something that needs to exist. And I don't even like, think it's just my idea it's like that, that idea is just channeling for me and needs to exist you see a need you fix it you see a job you do it it's like a duocracy kind of thing and i see this thing i'm like i wish I, I would live in a community like that if it existed and then the question is like why you're not building it so i'm building it but i don't know how necessarily and uh, and that's why i reach out to people that i see competent in their field whether it's like architects or like the people from Valdora. I'm, I'm a big fan of what the people at Stanford with Regen Villages are doing with this tool to kind of like build an AI plus blockchain plus permaculture practices to design a world space. Talking with lawyers, I'm talking to even right here in Amara, the people that you know got this place running to try to to learn and to bring more skills basically to the to the table. So I don't know how it would make sense to collaborate with others. I just know I'm open to the discussion and I want to collaborate. And I, I think it will slowly build up and slowly make sense. I see first a collaboration that would probably be more on the knowledge sharing, probably. Also like in a blueprint kind of like business model, uh, how to structure it, how it would make sense which is still around information sharing, I guess. But just also like be aware of each other and just talk and not see, not see each other as competition, but as like, hey, this guy is doing this cool thing, like this person in Mars Robertson doing this project island, the base X island in Estonia trying to do a, a similar thing, right? I've heard about some people from the diaspora psychedelic society in Jamaica like doing an interesting project also over there. There is the future thinkers in Canada uh, building like the dream place, right? There's so many interesting projects and I think we can all learn from each other and we can all collaborate and later on build a network whether it's like exchanging people so people can like 
move to one place to another, exchanging skills, doing consulting to each other. It would be great if each village would kind of like specialize in something. And then I don't know, like we, I need wood, then there would be this cool community like that manages the forest, delivers the wood to us. And then we, we do a money exchange and, you know, like we create like regenerative circular economy between each other. That's, uh, that's an idea that I find also fascinating. Have you ever heard about, uh, I, I think I will probably already mention it, but it might be worthwhile mentioning it on the podcast, uh, the Black Wall Street. No idea what it means. It, it was like um, in the 1920s, and if you're oh, a historian, right. I might yeah. say things yeah, that are wrong. But basically there was this community of this black neighborhood that started with this guy that was wealthy and started giving loans to people to create businesses and then start to grow. But basically those people ended up with like their own bank, their own schools. I think there were like six black families that had planes or something, like super wealthy, even more wealthy for the time than other like uh, white neighborhoods, which brought jealousy and the destruction later on. But, and there are lots of documentaries talking about how it was destroyed and built, but I'm not interested in that. I'm just saying that's actually how it was built, right? Because you see, like, I think the idea was like $1 entered the community and came out one year later and circulated like maybe 27 times in the meantime, something like that. So they basically had the had local circular economy and they ended up comparatively, if we were to compare money then to money now, with almost billionaire kind of an economy in billion. And I don't know, that story is so fascinating to me and I want to learn more about it, but also like reproduce it. And that's what I mean when I, when I talk about all those villages and all those projects collaborating and creating an economy, because if we start creating this circular economy, the money comes inside the economy, stays in, circulate, create more value. And that's how you become a force enough to have an impact on society. Yeah, like you're able, let's say, there was, there was this, uh, like, let's say one company wants to build a house. Then, okay, this other guy is like, okay, I'm going to start cutting some wood and create the wood for your business. And then up, somebody like the bank gives him a loan or like this guy gives him a loan. So he starts the business. And then another guy needs to like transport the wood to the place, right? So another guy starts a transport company, this kind of thing. But then you could think of it like, okay, in our smart village, we are building yurts. Like we have someone here that is that knows this technique to build circular yurts that are amazing, right? Okay, we need wood. Maybe that other village like manages a forest like they do in Valdara and are able to deliver us the beams and the different type of wood that we need. Boom, that's one thing. But maybe we also need like, I don't know, like a kind of water filtration or some kind of like dry toilet or compost toilet boom, this community over there builds it. And so it's like each of our needs, we could actually fulfill it and create business models around them and circulate the money inside us to start growing, growing, growing. So that when we want to do actual, let's say, research on tech to implement, or we want to have, yeah, like tech that exists and but need a certain amount of money to be implemented somewhere, like maybe a farm bot or like, like uh, greenhouses to grow more green, like or like permaculture 
gardens of a building. I, I don't know, many ideas. Then suddenly there's a pool of money available to create more regenerative projects. Because otherwise we're all struggling each on our side if we all try to do things separately. It's like, because all those projects are maybe on the margin of their current society. But if we connect each other, we're actually big. We're actually massive and we can have such an impact. So that's why I want to connect. Yay. I'm glad that we're connecting now. I 100% agree with you about how it's going to be impactful. I feel like what you're describing there speaks to the thing in your article you mentioned about the regenerative innovation lab. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you kind of gave details enough about that so far to jump a little bit into the economic vision or do you want to drill into that some more? Yeah, maybe maybe I can explain a little bit what we're, what we're trying to to do, I guess. So here at Amaravali, basically it's a 100% off-grid eco-retreat center focused on yoga, martial art, and other type of practices like breathwork, this kind of this kind of practice. Right? But my idea is to expand project and create smart village using the best of science, the best of technology and complex systems thinking, uh, holistic thinking to build a place with a hacker space, with a maker space, with like a botanics lab to allow scientists, technologists, artists to be there, to live together, uh, social activists like people that work on governance model, people that work on new economic models, to live together, but also collaborate and create and research. And the idea is on top of the place to create uh, some kind of incubator that would allow people that want to study this topic that basically, basically want to create regenerative technologies. And I use technology as a you know, as general tool. So a technology could be like a governance model or like a business model, not just like machines. So regenerative technologies, they would be able to come and, and work on that and we would ideally help them build uh, some kind of business structure to to create like a, I guess some people call them B Corp. But like I don't know what what is the exact term for it, but for me it's like organizations that are with profit, not like the old school non-profit, not like the for-profit because it tends to go to corruption, and the not-for-profit tend to go towards struggling to have to beg to money from like wealthy individuals that won in the game hey world or like government and, and basically depending on others and i want to be self-sufficient self-sufficient is another and anti-fragile other two concepts that are very important for the place but anyway like in a way incubate a few projects and ideally some of them will generate some money which will bring even more money into the incubator fund to research and create more and more projects and start to kind of like have a more of, a, of an impact and then once even at some point it becomes big enough then maybe there is a first is a sign that the model work and we, we we can enter later into more like the blockchain financial model aspect of things so it proved that the model works so it can be reused but then you also like there's money available to invest in other funds elsewhere that want to do something similar or maybe like a sub fund that are more specialized in a specific topic right and then it allows them to become more independent and do that. So the idea is to create a fund and incubator, and then at some point to have a network of funds 
where they can they're all like connected together and allowed to create this massive regenerative economy that can do research on the right topic like sometimes we complain that you know whether it's pharmaceuticals and company like doing research only on things that give money that brings money well if we have you know a few millions or a few billions in the bank and we know that studying mushroom or studying this kind of plant that don't necessarily would bring a lot of money to certain companies but would be a good thing for the world but maybe we we decide to do research on that and to, to build implement or share the know-how on how to how to use it it's a very broad open ideas but this is the direction i want to go and for that we need to start with like building the space and then bring people that want to live in this kind of space and start working on it and then we can experiment with financial models i'm just lighting up hearing you describe this because this is exactly the same pattern and model that i've been seeing with bloom network Sometimes I think of these things as ecosystem finance or or business ecosystems, and it's like regenerative enterprises and local interconnected economies, like almost need a more ecosystem, like interconnected approach to financing than the like vertical structure of the mainstream banking system. So when I talk mm -hmm. with both nonprofit finance professionals and for-profit finance professionals, like more and more people are starting to realize there are major gaps in institutional finance that mm -hmm. can't plug in with the like grassroots and regenerative ways of doing things. And so I'm getting a mm -hmm. lot of questions from people about, well, I think we've talked about this before, you and I, but like a lot of people asking questions, but not knowing what the other options are. So there's like people mm -hmm. poking their heads out of that mainstream finance world. And, and even like things like startup incubators and also like impact the impact investing communities and stuff still have a, a hierarchical, yeah, hierarchical and almost, I don't know how to describe it. It's different than this ecosystem approach though. And regenerative mm -hmm. initiatives need a like peer to peer like funding and finance pooling structure. And this is really what brought me to Bloom Network, like what you're describing. Well, that's the home organization that I'm based in, but what you're describing of this physical place for artists and scientists and visionaries and professionals to interrelate and innovate and create together. Literally, there's this woman at, a, it used to be called Evolver event in San Francisco who she wanted to build a project like that in Peru specifically so they could mm -hmm. incorporate the study of psychedelics into it because it's legal mm -hmm. there. So she was telling me about this vision and I'm like, okay, this is amazing. I want to help you make this, but you don't have an MBA and it's going to take a lot of interesting business knowledge and a lot of money to make that happen. So mm -hmm. let me like get involved with this project and see if I can connect you with people. I mean, maybe between, a bunch of the different people here we have the knowledge needed to pull this off so it's funny it's like feeling yeah. like coming back full circle and i've been kind of like in the abstract layer with bloom network and thinking about how to plug in with the blockchain finance tools because i vaguely just have this sense that they are built for handling this kind of regenerative finance thing where we're like collaborating on projects and create can create 
funds and pools that multiple entities can contribute to across for-profit and nonprofit lines to to get regenerative innovation to happen. Yeah. You're really listening to you really helps me kind of land that in a more physical context again. So really appreciate your your thought leadership with all of this. Thanks. Do you want to go into the blockchain specific stuff or not just yet? Yeah, we can definitely like explore some of that. I don't know if you have specific questions around it. So we could start delving into it, but I can more or less explain some of my ideas. First, one tool that was incredible for me was the the bonding curves, the bonding curves, especially the augmented bonding curves, because you realize that that allows you to do almost like IPO type financial instruments on relatively small project because of the solution on price discovery. Basically, you can you can map the price of a token based on math and a few parameters. So based on the ratio that you decide, but based also on the collateral and the cash reserve that you have. So let's say, and it's always available. People can always trade with the actual smart contract. And the more tokens exist, the higher the price of the token and the less tokens exist, the, the lower the price. So this this balance in effect. And there's a world like now a subfield of the, the blockchain industry is token engineering with the token engineering community with block science, Michael Zargam, like uh, with the CAD community around simulation of financial tools. There's amazing work being there. Uh, I don't claim to be a specialist for this, but uh, studying it and understanding it a little bit was like, oh, wow, that means you can create a fund and then, and then connect that fund to other bonding curve that would like be project specific, right? Where they would have the same token bonding and then you would have multiple bonding curve connected to that meta bonding curve, right? And then, but even like the funds could be connected to other smaller funds. And then you would have a network of funds that could be project specific or like industry specific or like community specific. But they would be via the power of the different tokens that would be connected in some ways. So like you gaining value brings the value to everything that you're connected to. And we'll probably have to do this in a very uh, smart way. That's why I like what the token engineering community that they're doing, because they're doing it like building a bridge. You know, you don't just build a bridge. You simulate, you calculate, and when there's failures, you integrate it in your list of like things to simulate, whether it's the win or of everything. Like you, you're very careful. And yeah, there are so many fail saves and, you know, like ways to ensure that we're doing something that should be safe, that should be solid in most cases. So I like that approach and I think, uh, but I still think, as you said, that especially with smart contract aspect of the blockchain world, we can create new economies. We can experiment with models, we can have fun. And it's, it's a very technical world and some of the tools are not existing yet, but a lot of very small people are building them and we can start experimenting to figure out what is working now and what we need next. And uh, that's, the, that's the beauty of it. And it also brings down the cost of experimenting to almost nothing, right? Like you just have to deploy a smart contract. Okay, some days when the gas fee is high, it's very expensive, but it's not like um, 
having to do a full IPO and go public or, or this kind of thing. I will probably not enter into much details about explaining the bonding curve rather than that, that saying that it, it's a bet on the future of the value of the token. You could, um, Griff Green actually has a very good explanation that made me understand a little bit more why it was. It was like when Amazon did the IPO, they raised 50 million for 10% of their shares. So there was suddenly 100% of shares that were worth 500 million. But if at that time, you were to sell everything they had, it would be 50 million because they only had the 50 million cash. And the night, but the whole thing was worth 500 million because people were making a bet on the future value of the company based on, you know, like parameters that everybody more or less decide. So it, it's, a, it's a similar type of instrument where you can go and buy shares at a price determined by the smart contract. And when you give, let's say you give a hundred die, a hundred euro, hundred something, based on the ratio, it could be that 70% of it goes to collateral and 30% go to cash reserve. The cash reserve is the part that the money that can be used and the collateral is used only for when you want to sell back your token. That's where the money is taken from. Uh, it's a very simple explanation on it, but it's a fascinating new subfield where you could also add some interesting tax instrument when people go out of the curve, when they sell back their tokens or when there is money exchange. So you can experiment with new economies with this kind of uh, instrument. Uh, yeah, I invite you to check out the common stack, to check out uh, block science, to check out the CatCat community, the token engineering community. And over there, there are a lot more specialists that are studying those tools and building uh, different versions of those tools. Uh, there's also Fairmint. They're doing it not for necessarily organization, but more for like companies. They have also new types of raising monies continuously for companies. So there's lots of interesting experiments with this. And I would like to use one of those bonding curves to raise money for the smart village and then the incubator. I'm still wondering like if there should be like just one thing or to have a more like separation of concern and kind of like keep it simple for like the land. Yeah, basically the land, the building and like the real estate part of thing. And then later on, once we are ready to start project and some investment side of thing, keep it like a different instrument. The way that I see for the land is to raise money to buy the land build what we need to build with some extra for, you know, things that can happen. But then use project from Vinay Gupta called Materium to tokenize the land in a form of an NFT and then use the token of the land as a collateral inside the, inside the bonding curve. So in a way, it would be the first, as far as I'm aware, the first bonding curve with physical assets as a collateral. So it's not just like tokens, it's like part of it would be, and we probably have to develop that bonding curve or like modify something existing or like create something new. But, and then it would be interesting because also it would stay in the collateral. So it's not like you raise money, you take that money to buy the land and then the, the value of the money is out of the curve, essentially because you took the money out. But once you, it would, the land back into the collateral, it brings back the value, but also every improvement and reappraisal of the land that we would do 
would raise the money of the curve by itself. So there's an interest of taking care of the land, of improving the buildings, bringing new kind of solar panels, autonomous energy grid. All the improvement that we would do would be taken into account inside the, the financial instrument used to raise funds. That's for me was like, oh, wow, what can we do? And we will need to work on the details of how to how to do that. But that's something we should be able to pull off. We are able to pull off and we will pull off. I'm pretty sure there's a new Bloom chapter in New York that is interested in setting up their land land ownership model connected with blockchain. So I should probably mm. introduce you both to each other. Yeah, for sure. All about sharing information and knowing about cool people doing cool shit. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Part of my brain wants to be like support these things with like officially formed working groups. And it's like, no, we're just all kind of like organically doing it together. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I guess yeah, eventually yeah. we'll have those like funding pools for like when we want to do it together with, you know, methodical research and of like pay people for the time and stuff like that. So that'll be mm. possible as we, as we get all this flowing. Mm. So yeah, that's the land part of things. There's maybe a bit more details and, and some links also to understand some of those technical topics on, on an article that I think you can put on related to the podcast episode. But yeah, or more on the incubator fund side of things, it would be more to invest on research but also implementation and and create businesses that will be related to that so the idea is to create like this fund and then this fund will be connected to those projects as i said and then create multiple funds at some point because the fund would be successful enough that you can spawn like little little children that would be connected to the main fund so even like all those funds like succeeding would bring more value to the main fund and that's something we'll take time to develop carefully and experiment with too. Super, super amazing. Thanks so much for sharing your brilliance and creativity and experience and yeah. heartfelt yeah. embodied connection with all this stuff. Thanks. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to share that. And also like, I mean, those are my ideas, but I'm also open to suggestion and collaboration and like correction and like uh, because you know the end model maybe will be different because of some details of the law here in Spain or actually it's tricky to do that with with this financial instrument so I, I'm open to experimentation that's a very important thing that I want in the space is like I want us to do things together but not necessarily on the old model where maybe in cooperative because everybody needs to agree it's hard to experiment. I want really like people to feel empowered to experiment, to try to fail and to learn and to start again and really like almost use a similar model as evolution, right? Evolution as this thing where it creates mutations and then whatever works, keep working and it keeps on going on. It's not necessarily about like finding that right model that just stays because that doesn't even work because situation changes because there's always chaos and circumstances changes. So it's about always improving, always trying, and but at the same time be agile and enough that you can try something and then, oh, it doesn't work and then you bounce back to something else. So not necessarily like a monolithic thing that if it fails, every, everything fails, but like, yeah, like a organic 
kind of mycelium network type kind of exploration and evolution. Well said. <laughs> I think we're coming up close to the end of the hour here. We have a little bit more time. Um, or we could just truncate it a little shorter. It's fine. Is there anything else um, that you particularly want to share to the folks who might listen to Autonomous Podcast B? <laughs> Nothing comes to mind other than, yeah, if you feel inspired by or curious by anything that you just said, like, go check out the article. Don't hesitate to, to contact me. Start talking. It's important to, you know, the people that have similar vision to connect to each other because sometimes we can feel maybe isolated or doing our, our thing wherever we are. But I really think that connecting and cooperation allows you to create bigger things, right? And I very much welcome people to come and be part of, of this project and bring their skills, their, their connection, their experiences so that we, we, we have more chance to succeed. To come back to what I meant, what I said about them, the dinners and, and, you know, like living as a tribe. That's a very important thing. You need different profiles, different experiences, different histories, different viewpoints, different angle of seeing things in a successful tribe. And it's a successful project also, even if everyone needs to agree on the vision. So if you feel that you agree with the vision, let's talk. And are there any specific kinds of support that would be helpful to you right now? Or is what you described pretty much the jam for the moment? Hmm. Very good question. Right now, we are more looking what we are going to build exactly. So I'm talking with some architects and some innovators in the field of architecture, regenerative architecture to really think holistically about designing the space. So if you feel interested in any of those topics, now is the time to reach out. After that, once we know what we're building exactly and how much it costs, then we're gonna more focus on the, at least the first financial model. And it could be that we cannot use some of the blockchain tools straight away. And we might do loans, we might do company, we might do a non-profit, a foundation, whatever, whatever whatever it is, or like a simpler blockchain tool where we raise a money via a token, but, uh, and then create a foundation in Switzerland or so anything else. So anyone that has experience around this new way, this new kind of business model and this new way of raising money, or wants to invest in a project like that, even if it's uh, using old ways of investing, please do reach out and because the earlier we start the conversation, the more we can get aligned on what we want. Because I see none of this as like, it has to be that way or that way. I know the vision, but then as I said, the how exactly will look like, we can figure it out. Uh, and I think between people of good uh, intentions and a little bit of smarts, we can figure out uh, great models that can evolve later on. That's the, also the thing, right? Because sometimes we get stuck of like, I know sometimes I do get stuck like, oh, things, the system needs to be perfect. No, we just start, we just do, and we figure out things along the way. And it actually never stops, right? Like life, life never stops. My evolving structures, high five to you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, 
the yeah, I have a friend that says we're all mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I approve. <laughs> I'll, I'll play the we're all mushrooms game anytime. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so so amazing to talk with you as always, Nelson. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And yeah, if if people feel compelled to take a break from the city and and come and stay at Amara to come visit whether it's related to the project or, or not please do do come we have a long-term stay short-term stays it's a beautiful place that does a lot of wonders for most people so so yeah come and come and meet us yay oh well that's a wrap i passed the ball of autonomous podcast b to you and i look forward to listening to the interview that you gave to yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to, I already have someone in mind, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to try that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pause the recording and send this off to Betty. Awesome. Thanks. Ciao.